Happiness is a choice. Listen to this interview with Hans Klostermann to become more aware about yourself and the path you want to follow. Stay in suffering or choose for happiness. It's up to you. So welcome everybody. Nice to have you here. Um, this is the second episode of uh, the Soul Talk. Like the Soul Talk is um, like um, a meeting of two souls talking about um, values, talking about life stories, talking about vision and work and love and all the things that will come up while we are together here in this virtual space. So um, today I have Hans Klostermann here. I met Hans at my last retreat uh, at Hilke Bonnema's um, place. Uh, it was in Barlow near Venlo at Castile yeah. de The constellations. Family constellations, true. And um, when I uh, already saw Hans uh, on the website, I felt like, oh, there's something resonated in my heart. I want to uh, get in contact with this man. I want to hear his story. And um, it was like that. Um, like after one or two days, uh, I immediately felt like the connection grows stronger. And then uh, we get into conversation, we get into contact, and we both felt like, okay, let's 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 check out what our explore yeah let, let's explore what um that means for us so today i want to talk with you hans about your life story and about uh, the things you experienced that made you the man you are today and um to inspire all the viewers of us to inspire the world to inspire all the other souls that feel like i want to become free i want to break out i want to get out of this this body or whatever so hans um for so, the, prison yes yes and so hans would you like uh, for the people who don't know anything about you would you like um to tell to, like to just start with um who you are and what you do and then we will go on with our soul talk okay well, as um, Mike said, I'm Hans Klostermann. I'm 56 years old. And um, yeah, I feel like a cat because I already had a, a few lives in one life. So I began to work in fashion as a buyer, selling manager, traveled around the world. And um, I wanted to explore the world by eating because eating is uh, one of my favorite and cooking is one of my favorite hobbies and i always was very interested in other cultures so in our uh, elderly home uh, we had a lot of books about hinduism about uh, the greece stories the mythology uh, buddhism uh, kabbalism so my parents said uh, you can just read the books and feel where your heart is drawn to so very liberate uh, parents I was brought up. So I think that's, that's the beginning. And uh, my mother was a yoga teacher. So um, when I was 25, I began to work in fashion, a lot of stress. So I thought, okay, yoga can help me. And uh, because it's a very fast externally oriented world, the fashion world. And uh, so yoga helped me to reduce stress and then I became a director, more stress, more yoga. Then I started meditation, just follow uh, some beautiful teachers. 
And then I was 35 and I had my uh, first uh, biggest burnout wow. because I'm the biggest pleaser in the world. <laughs> and, uh, why, why did I become such a pleaser? Because um, uh, my father, who was a farmer, I'm a farmer's son in the southwest of Holland, he didn't really want to have children. So my mother wanted to have children and then they had a, they had a, I have two brothers. He has a, I have an elderly brother and that became my, my father's uh, favorite. And then I'm a part of a twin, but he never came, uh, although we lived in one house, he never came to um, my birthday or a special moments. He was never there. So I really had an attachment problem, they call it in psychology with my father. And then you develop free, surviving, unconscious uh, behavior. And one of the behavior is pleasing because then hopefully they see you or you disconnect from your feelings, which is also an unconscious surviving system, which is lovely that you have it because then you can survive. Mm -hmm. And the, the third one, what is it? Pleasing cutting off emotions Fight. I forgot the first fighting one. fighting fighting absolutely and um, and the pleasing behavior of course so um, then I had my first burnout when I was 35 and I thought oh my life has to go differently I think I had the biggest ego in the whole world. And uh, my parents are not like that. So they're very humble. They're very modest. And I was really the opposite. So then I had my first burnout. My parents took me one year in their house because I couldn't do anything. I had a lot of um, anxiety attacks um, because burnout, there's burning something in the brain. So the brain is not functioning correctly. So I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, hyperventilating. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I only well, had uh, loops in my mind, especially in the morning between five and seven. Wow. And also became a bit suicidal. Not that I that have that nature, but that's what a really severe burnout can do. So then I thought my life has to go different and I want to do something for other people. And then I visited um, uh, a monastery because my name is Klosterman. And from the 12th century in the north of Holland, where my family comes from, uh, I visited with my aunt the rest of the old, very old monastery. And when I walked on that old um, fundament of uh, the monastery, and then something came up in me that I said, um, that a voice said, uh, you have to study Buddhism for seven years in Tibet. Wow. I thought, wow, where is this, where is this coming from? And um, I thought, because I was still attached so much to the material world, I will never do that. And um, I've, although it's interesting, I will not do it. So I started a recruitment agency in, um, in fashion, filling up vacancy and uh, job coaching. And I did that for 15 years, but after two years, I already thought, oh, this is too, for me, too superficial. I want to get uh, the mind better of people. So I started to do three years yoga, uh, 
education and two years meditation. So from 35 till 40, I did this, um, this uh, Hindu, Hinduistic uh, education. And um, that was lovely, but it really didn't touch my heart. The Bhagavad Gita, beautiful, beautiful uh, story and a lot of wisdom in it. Also the sutras of Patanjali, I recognized a lot, but a lot mentally and not in my heart. And then some friends said when I became 40, well, maybe you should join or uh, follow the Dalai Lama because he's in Brussels where I lived at the moment. So he, he gave their three days of teaching. And then I followed, I, I went to the Dalai Lama and with other 10,000 people, of course, and everything this man said, this holy man said, this enlightened being said, was uh, touched my heart. And um, I was really flabbergasted about it because he was talking about human existence and the reason for human existence. And everything felt so logical. So I thought, oh, I remembered when I was 35 and uh, I wanted to study Buddhism. And I thought, oh yeah, now this is really touching my heart. Oh yeah, because that's the third um, behavior pattern is rationalizing. So if you have an attachment problem, then rationalizing, you go continuously to the mind and you go away from the heart. So I thought I have to listen to my heart. So after those three days, I had to go to Brussels for a business meeting with a fashion company. And I came back and there was a lot of water. There was a lot of, um, how do you call it? Onweer, um, lightning, fire, a lot of rain. And um, I, I, I came into the water on the road when my car went like this. And I just drove with 120 kilometers to a bridge and then I died and I couldn't feel anything anymore, but I went up in this elevator of white light. And uh, then uh, a, a, a man voice, a really uh, a deep man voice, and I'm always in daily life a bit humorous. I thought, my God, why, why is God not a woman? Why is it a man's voice? It can also be a woman, why not? But it was a man voice and um, he said, do you want to stay here? Or do you want to go to heaven? And there was no suffering. You can feel it. And there were telepathic skills, but I couldn't see my body anymore. Uh, but there was a consciousness. And, um, or do you want to go back? And I said, no, I want to go back. I just listened to the Dalai Lama for three days. He says there's a trainable method to, from, uh, to happiness. And I want to learn that and teach other people. This is my mission in life. So please send me back. So then I went back into that white light. I woke up in my little smart car, which is from Mercedes and has a, a very beautiful system. So I was sitting in this, this construction, no plastic, no windows. I was only sitting in the construction. And, um, and then, um, um, a police came, uh, ambulance came, and I was, you know, I went to the hospital. But the next day, uh, I came out, I didn't have anything, and I wow. thought it has to go differently because I work seven days a week, uh, 16 hours a day, uh, I'm full of stress. This is not what I want. 
So I looked for a director for my free companies or my free offices in Antwerpen, Brussels and The Hague. And I went off to uh, first Kathmandu to look where I could study Buddhism and after that to Lhasa, that's the main capital or capital of Tibet. Because I was so naive that I thought I can only study Buddhism there in the original countries. Because the Buddha was born in Nepal, that was 500 years for Christ, uh, was uh, North India, now it's Nepal, and the Buddha was born there. And pass in this later in the seventh or eighth century after Christ, um, Buddhism came to Tibet because they had another religion there, Bon religion. So actually, it's from North India. The parents of the Buddha were Hindu, so it wasn't strange that I studied five years Hinduism, but I was ready to start Buddhism. So I was there. I flew back from Lhasa to Kathmandu because I found a monastery there, and it's also lower because Lhasa is on three and a half thousand, well, high. And I had a lot of headache over there. So I found my monastery. And then after three months, this uh, head lama said, well, what do you want to become? I said, uh, well, I want to become a good Buddhist teacher. He said, well, then you have to learn Sanskrit and Pali. But I'm very dyslectic. So he said, where do you come from? I said, Belgium. He said, we have a lovely big monastery over there, Tibetan monastery, with free Tibetan teachers and translators. So go back. So I thought, huh, Buddhism. <laughs> teaching in Europe. I didn't know that that's possible. And now I know in every country they have monasteries to learn. So I flew back and I'm now there from 2007 till now. So nearly 14, 15 years I'm studying there. Um, I became a monk, a monk in education, they call it for six years. And uh, the director did the company and it was a very learnful period. Then I had to fly to India to do the teacher's training. And then there was a big crisis in, uh, in Europe, in, in the Netherlands. So I had to go back to my company out of compassion to save the company, to save the uh, colleagues. And, um, and then I sold my company six years ago because I couldn't work anymore in that real business environment. It didn't give me energy. And so I sold the company to the colleagues, which is also special. They still do it very nicely. And I decided to live my passion from the heart. So to, uh, my mission is to uh, learn people the way from suffering to happiness. And uh, I have a lot of, developed a lot of methods for that. Of course, yoga, meditation, um, but also some Western uh, beautiful methods like family constellations or AMDR, EFT, which are tapping modus to get uh, negative memories or emotions out of your brain or your spirit. So I, I developed a lot of, um, or I'm not, I developed them not, I learned a lot of methods, Western and Eastern, to learn people the way to uh, happiness, because happiness is a choice. That was my life story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, that's impressing. I, I had parts when you were telling where I feel like, oh, I, I have to cry because it's really touched my heart, like breaking through my, through my own like um, protecting structures, breaking through my core. I really like that. I really like that. Um, Hans, um, what do you think uh, the body plays a role in your own, like in your own, but also in the, in, in the process of your clients? What does the body play? play for a role in this healing process? 
from suffering to happiness? Well, first you have to understand and learn that to receive the body out of uh, the Buddhist view is very precious to have a human body. Because um, in Buddhism we say to, to receive a human body in the world of form is a very small chance, like a blind turtle who's swimming in all the oceans and there's a little piece of wood with a little hole in it. So it's such a small chance that this blind turtle will find this piece of wood with a little hole in it and put his head through it. So first I learned people that it is very precious to have a human body and they have to, to uh, learn to, um, to take care of it out of self-care that is like a temple. The second thing I uh, learned in the beginning is that, and that's a, also a Buddhist, um, a Buddhist word, which also the Dalai Lama taught in 2006, the whole day about, is the, um, the word interdependency. So there's an interdependency between the body, the spirit and the breathing. So that threesome is very important. So this is the first uh, conviction or the first important sentence that you have to understand that body and mind and spirit are uh, connected because the last centuries, there were only like doctors who treat the body and there were um, psychologists and therapists who only treat the spirit or the mind. And now also in a lot of new, um, a lot of new ways of looking at things, and this is also the Buddhist view, they're really interconnected. So you can't divide body and mind. And in Buddhism, we say it first begins in the spirit, what you think, and then it translated to the body. So if you have a lot of fear, and fear has a, a sort of frequency, it goes to the kidneys. When you're very disappointed, it goes to the lungs. When there's a lot of anger, it goes to the liver. So all those um, negative thoughts and, neg and negative emotions and negative physical sensations, they are interconnected and we say they begin in the spirit. But sometimes you have to uh, begin with the human body because that's very, uh, you can touch the body. And uh, people are not used to uh, developing uh, the mind or the spirit because mind and spirit for me is one word. So sometimes you have to begin on, in the body with massage or yoga or uh, mindfulness because this is what I do. I'm a yoga, mindfulness, meditation uh, teacher, coach, life coach. And um, so sometimes you have to begin with the body. Some, sometimes you can already begin in the spirit to look at emotions and thoughts. And sometimes, especially with men, I have to begin with the cognitive therapy, with the mind, and then slowly go to emotions and then go yeah. to the body. So it depends on the person where I'm, where I'm starting. That's why I developed for every level some methods and some therapy so they can turn from negative to positive which is the, the, the basic um, human 
it's the basic teaching of the Buddha that if you, the beginning of everything is to, through self-research, to increase your self-knowledge. That's the beginning of happiness. So if you become more aware about yourself, then you also know three levels, physical, emotionally, mentally, and your energy level, four levels, how you work. And if you, if you know yourself, then you can also know others and you can make decisions which are very close to your strength and your qualities. And then automatically you choose a profession or whatever, which is matching your strength and your qualities. And then automatically you will become more happy. So if you stay ignorant, which is the biggest poison in your mind, your body, if you stay ignorant, then you are a victim of life. And if you become all-knowing about yourself and life, then life becomes very easy. And you become uh, the James Bond in your own movie. <laughs> you make your own choices. And this is what I teach. The Buddha says, your, uh, your wall is white. This is your life. And you can just project on it whatever you want. Of course, there are disturbances from previous life and family constellations from your family history. So if you undo yourself of the long elastic negative, um, the long, because you have positive and negative, I call it elastics, elastica, and they pull you back in some patterns. So if you can cut off history and become free in the now, you can project yourself into the future and you can come whatever you want. There's no limitation. Because after duality, after wrong or right, good or bad, man or woman, there's unity. And unity, the connection to unity is in the heart. So from the individual energy to the universal energy is here. From the heart to the other, you say the spiritual heart is in the middle. So, so sometimes, you know, you have to teach in duality because people can understand only the relative truth. And sometimes when people are more developed and less ignorant, I can teach from unity. And then it goes much quicker. So it takes less time when, you're, when you teach from unity to become happy, then overcome all the differences from duality on every level, physically, emotionally, mentally, and energetic-wise. But this is what I uh, work on the flip overs with my, with my students or uh, clients to see where are the limitations. And if we know the limitation, limited thoughts, limited uh, emotions, limited physical pain, then we work on it. And in one year, they're just um, totally in their dream. But then you have to do some research what, what are your limitations are. But so it's a choice to live without limitations and choose for a limitless life if you want to work on it, if you have courage, because a lot of people have anxiety. So this is one of the biggest obstacles in your life. Because of uh, anxiety, you don't want to go to the understream, to the underconsciousness, where all those empty feelings and all this pain where you stored it. So I give eight lessons to happiness and in lesson four, no client want to come because slowly every lesson, they go deeper into themselves. And then on some moment, when you go to the under consciousness, to the understream, 
where a lot of shit and mud, we say in Buddhism, is hidden, then they say, oh no, I want to go to, I don't want to go to the deep of my pain. I want to go to my normal life because this I know, this I say is safe. I know those patterns, although they're suffering. So it takes a lot of courage to go deeper into yourself. I have to motivate them, manage their expectations to go from lesson four till eight, because from four to eight, I give them a lot of methods on every level, how they in every moment can change their life to happiness. Because in the now, you can change everything. You can't change the past. You can't change the future. Well, you can influence the future for sure. Past you can't influence but you can only realize it in the now. And people are only, you can measure that in the brain, are only 5% in the now, and 95%, they just, they just in, are living in the past and project that to the future. So they're never in the now. So then you imprison yourself in patterns of the past, which you think is conscious life, but it isn't conscious life. You can only be conscious and free in the moment, realize that you go into a negative pattern and then if you realize it you can accept it and change it so buddhism believes in unrooting all negativity but first it has to begin with recognize it then accept it after acceptance you can let things go and when you can let it go you can transform and uh, so this is i think a difference in a lot of western psychology where everybody's already happy if you can re recognize it and accept it. Of course, 50% of the pain and the angle is then already out of your system, but it's still 50%. Those negative seeds are housing into your spirit. Blah, 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 blah. A lot of blah, blah. <laughs> but maybe the viewers, they just recognize something more. Yeah. For me, it's important to inspire people yes. to go to the road yeah. To happiness and that they have a choice and that they give up their victim behavior but first you have to know your victim behavior of fighting freezing escaping not mentioning things crying so we have a hundred victim roles which you first have to recognize before you can go to uh, the patterns of happiness and the behavior wow. Of happiness wow. it's like a journey it is a journey it's i'm still not enlightened yet but i'm, I'm busy <laughs> yeah yeah you can have the theory but by practice because this is also a misunderstanding a lot of western people when they know those sentences they think oh with this insight i become enlightened no you have to practice during the whole day 24 7 to change those really severe old patterns from negativity from the past you have to transform and practice with all those methods. And then slowly, little realizations of new patterns, positive patterns will come into body and mind. So it's, it's hard work, especially for me, because my is, you were a pig in last life. So you have to work very hard in this life as a human to become enlightened. And some people, like the viewers, were already unconsciously 100 lives busy to become enlightened. Then in this life, for them, if they take that path, this road, it will be much uh, easier than for me, who was my first life as human and was a pig. So, yeah. So life is uh, 
sometimes uh, we say in Buddhism, life is suffering, but you can uh, have you you can choose for happiness, but it's hard work. How would you inspire people that are like in their conscious minds? They are like, um, like they know everything, but they mm -hmm. have like this deep feeling or like this voice in themselves that they could not overcome. Like there is something in there, like, like clients, sometimes they say like, well, I have this feeling inside, but, and I know it and I know what I need to do. But I just cannot, or I'm too scared. I just feel too much yeah maybe maybe um given the responsibility to this person or that person so that they just are not able to take the step so if if there would be viewers right now who experience this like knowing a lot of things reading lots of books maybe doing lots of workshops but still being in the same pattern in their daily life mm. what would you advise or like how would you inspire them to really like take their feet on the ground in this world and do the work like do something practice how would you inspire them yeah oh, it's clear so um in buddhism we say first it has to start with the desire to enlighten yourself so from the heart you have to you have to make that choice and develop that desire that you really want to reduce your suffering and increase your happiness without that intention or without that desire nothing will develop so and of course uh, my my answer would be um go to free a very good therapist or psychologist or whatever because you only have you have a lot of blind spots i still have a lot of teachers even now hilko bonema for family constellation my own tibetan teachers who are just guiding me because sometimes you have just blind spots about yourself, which you can never, uh, it's very, well, never, very difficult to uh, discover. So you have 50% of the people who read a lot of books and uh, do it themselves, which is possible, but then the road is much, much longer. So if you look for some very nice uh, uh, specialists, then uh, life will be shorter, you can reflect with each other, and um, and then uh, this this path will develop uh, faster and better for you. Maybe you expected more, but this is my answer. <laughs> that's 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 inspiring. That's inspiring. Mm. So I think a lot of people try to do everything themselves, and they have to let go of that conviction. Yeah. Really feel those things. Get external help and then um, visit free people where you really can open your heart to because that's 50% the therapy, the person where you feel most safe and the most open to, and you trust the most. Uh, so never go to the first uh, therapist, only always visit free and then see where your heart goes open because in that resonance, it opens more quickly or not. Wow nothing opens if you just don't have that click and you give that responsibility to that uh, specialist and, uh, and you don't feel the click so listen to your feelings is important wow and do you experience like um the whole development over 
like over the centuries about healing work. If you have a look at the countries in Europe, um, especially Netherlands, where you live, and Germany, I don't know if you have any experience with uh, like German clients or like doing uh, retreats in Germany, but what do you feel and see in the Netherlands? Like how are people open to healing and ceremonies, retreats? What do you see there? Um, well, I lived for 15 years in Belgium. Now I live for uh, four years, five years in Holland again. And I came back to Holland because uh, people are very busy in developing their spirit. And uh, Belgium is a bit more conservative. So uh, my yoga school, etc. it was difficult to get it started. And the moment I started here, it was full. So, um, so I think it's, there are different ways of looking at it. You have this pyramid of Maslow, that you have the primary needs, of uh, you know food house second um, second needs are um, social um, social engagement a nice job etc and then the third level is self uh, self um, development self research and developing your spirit and to get to know you better and because Holland and also Belgium they are rich countries I think a lot of people are uh, busy over there with uh, developing their spirit but the more conservative a country is uh, the less open they are for uh, the feelings and uh, developing uh, the spirit which can be as good as being developed developed as uh, the human body of course you can see the human body you can analyze it totally with all the muscles and the nerves and etc but the spirit you can develop uh, the same way and I, thought, I think because my best friend is German and uh, he, he studied there anthroposophy, 4% of the German um, uh, uh, people population are, uh, are vegan or veganists. So um, there's a lot of, because Germany has a lot of, in our, our point of view, has a lot of quality in food and quality of life, etc. So there's, um, there's a lot of good doctors, psychologists, therapists over there also. So I think maybe um, in comparison to Belgium and to Germany, Holland is more liberal and more, I, don't, I wouldn't call a hippie country, but uh, because they blow everywhere, we have coffee shops, etc. But I think it's a bit more free and people spend a lot of money uh, you can look at in the statistics that they spend twice as much money for development uh, of um, the spirit. And in Belgium, they spend two times more than Holland in clothing, for example. So you can see the spending behavior in different countries where they, where they uh, spend their money on. Wow. Not the answer you're looking for, but uh, this is what this is my perspective, my vision. <laughs> Interesting. So, so, so you know uh, about the answers that I'm looking for. <laughs> no, but you look at those eyes. From is there coming something more? So I'm responding to your face. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was um, interested about, and what do you think about if you have a look at the life you lived until now, mm -hmm. and um, the life that's in front of you mm. what are the issues questions and things that 
you're going to develop only next years? Uh, personally or business-wise, what do you mean? For my business, for my company, or for my, me personally, what do you mean, or both? Or? I'm interested in both. Maybe there's a connection of them, mm. probably. Well, personally, I just, um, because I had a narcissistic, borderline, alcoholic father, so that's a lot to take in. So more mm. normally, you're a narcissist and you can't really feel. And when I had a child, I had a lot of compassion with him because he didn't have any love from his parents. He had to go to boarding school. And so I understand the story, but still I was a child who had to rationalize continually what he was saying. And he was beating us up, not mentally and physically. And then also borderline saying very mean things and forget them one minute later. And then being an alcoholic, why? So you're never consistent. You're also, you, you have to watch as a child every moment, um, if a moment is safe or not. So I think I'm now totally free from that. But still, from 30 years ago, I, for me, it was normal to attract friends who looked like my father. So I had a lot of narcissistic friends who hurt me continuously. And, but for me, that was normal. Actually, you could see that as love. This was my definition of love. People can hurt you. And this is normal. Wow. So it took me a, whole, a long time to uh, delete and recognize and accept and let go of all those friends who, who I selected myself who were narcissistic, but not really nice to me. So in this spiritual path, there was a friction for me to loyalty, loyal to my friends from the early days. And on the other hand, realize and see and feel that they're not treat me with respect or very nicely, actually that they like to hurt me so they can feel themselves more. So, so this was, I think I just um, say goodbye to my best friends from 30 years who continuously keep me um, uh, small and also very intellectually um, pestered me. So I just said, thank you very much uh, to my last friends who were narcissistic um, for uh, having all those beautiful and not beautiful experiences of the last 30 years. But I feel that I need to say goodbye because um, I'm now developing myself more from the heart. So from the head to the heart. And um, I want to live continuously, business-wise and private life from the heart, out of the soft heart, the soft eyes. And also in Buddhism, kindness, uh, a kind heart is the most difficult thing to develop and to, to stay continuously in that level of kindness and compassionate and love and, and equanimity. So um, I have to open. Sure. So got it here. Hi, So again, this is in the long journey. Um, the choice I made to be continuously vulnerable 
and feel enough safe in myself and complete uh, to never go to in the nonviolent communication where I train in. Uh, I never go to Rahina anymore, but I stay in this Shiraf. And this Shiraf has a very big physical heart because he had to pump all this blood through the neck to his brain. So Marshall Rosenberg, the American uh, beautiful teacher who just died, uh, like our beautiful teacher in Family Constellation, Bert Hellinger, also just died. So a lot of important people just died, where I learned a lot from. And uh, so every time when I go to my rationalization or the hardness of my mind, I just feel that and I go directly back or sometimes I use my hands. Oh, no, no, I want to stay here. I don't want to go on this stress barometer or on safety, safety barometer. To, uh, to my head. I don't want to be there anymore. So it's a choice in my heart. And that's why I said goodbye to my two best friends. And they don't understand it. They can't because they're so captured in the mind and have such a big ego that they, and they are, they are perfect. I don't say they are, because the Dalai Lama says, and this is our main teaching, we're all one body. So all those billions of cells in your body are all the human beings and animals. So you never can reject or attract people uh, because we're all one. But still, I rejected them because uh, I, I don't want to be, that is also self-compassion and self-love. I don't yeah. want to be uh, pestered anymore. So this is my private main uh, thing, but this is, this is also in the dependent with my business life, where I sometimes now have clients where I don't have a click with, and then I just sent them to my other colleagues because if I feel good or positive and compassionate to a client, then there's coming a good process and sessions. When my body already is resisting, uh, the, uh, or, or uh, yeah, or um, when I don't feel good with some clients, I just don't accept. You can say out of compassion, you should accept everybody. That's my conviction, absolutely. But in a few sessions, you, you see that it doesn't work. You have to feel both safe and nice to have a good, uh, um, a good process of the eight sessions, which I'm doing with, uh, with persons online or face to face. Wow. So, um, yeah. Wow. I think this is, um, my main process where I'm in. So I'm still not enlightened. Sometimes I'm irritated, but I have my methods in the moment, like breathing kindness and breathing out my irritation or being unsatisfied. So you have a lot of uh, nice methods in the moment where you can work with to stay in balance. Because in Buddhism say staying in balance and with a low stress and adrenaline level, is the most important to change behaviors and patterns. So if a stress level is high, you can never change a pattern. You can never change anything in the moment. But because with stress, you activate the primary brain and the primary nervous system, and you will always go back to, the, uh, to remembering patterns from the past. You're never free. So that's why it's so important with yoga, meditation, mindfulness, which is a lifestyle to have very low stress and adrenaline level. So you can always have the, the clarity because when you're very 
quiet and balanced and have the right energy, which I have, I think, 95% of the day. Then there's a big clarity of the upper brain and um, a nice helicopter view. And then you can also, and then you always have some distance and you will never react primary or it's necessary in a dangerous situation, but we don't have that a lot. So you have some distance and the primary reaction can be changed to a secondary reaction, a more wiser reaction, because you just count to 10 and then you're not hurting yourself with that primary reaction and you're not hurting your, the other. Because we have two main um, definitions for happiness in Buddhism. One is doing the best for yourself first in combination with the best for others. Second one is live in harmony with yourself and live in harmony with others so that you can never become too egocentric or narcissistic because we're all interdependent, because we're all one body. So how can you only do continuously do best for yourself and not do the best for others? That is not uh, possible for me in my Buddhist view. Of course, because I was a pleaser, that's why I had free burnouts also in the monastery. I put this oxygen mask on every mouth in the crashing plane. And then I fall down and I'm dead. So I had to live in the monastery, really not being altruistic continuously. Also load up your energy. Also sometimes take time for yourself, go swimming, go out of the process to load up your system so you can give again to others. So this is, the, this is the, the movement I'm making. When I feel, oh, this session is too long with a client, I say, hey, I just feel my energy is coming low. Is it good for you that we end the session? So if you just communicate in the moment wow. how you feel in every level, that's so human that other people are always accepting it. But first you have to have an awareness on four levels, how you can mention it. And then again, it's also measured in the brain and in, in 150,000 people that 85% is not mentioned in the moment. So we think a lot, but we don't mention it in the moment, how you feel or what you need or what you don't need. So how can you take responsibility for your life if you can't mention or know or feel what you need in the moment? So I think this, that's why mindfulness for everybody is very interesting because in that eight-week program, go to a good teacher in your area and then you live in eight weeks how you're feeling physically, emotionally and mentally. And if you really go to the feeling, because Western people are 95% captured in the mind and they can't physically or emotionally, emotionally feel their feelings anymore. I see that in all my mindfulness training that people are only have become their mind and are not in contact with their physical and emotional sensations. So I think you're going to make other decisions if you have this wholeness and this realization of developing your first of all, your three, four levels of awareness. So this is core, this is the beginning of Buddhism. Understand yourself through self-research and then you can also understand and ask better questions to others it's very simple doesn't it resonate with your heart when i'm just talking about what it is to be human mike hello do i get an answer <laughs> wakey wakey be awake in the moment mike 
<laughs> well, like um, that, that's a good point because I feel like, well, now, now I need some space. Like, <laughs> I feel like, uh, okay, this is, this is uh, like, like my body needs some space. It's, it's good to mention that I need space. Yeah, uh, th thank you for the invitation to wake me up. <laughs> mm. Wait, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like I feel I cannot really give you an answer because it's like what what I what I recognize in myself while listening to your story that there are so many things in my body happening i feel like oh i want to fight with you because i see it different then i feel like a little scared then i feel like i want to run away so i recognize all of my patterns from the ego that want not to feel that want to help like that want to bring me not in contact with yourself and now when i tell you that i feel like okay i can get back into the contact with you also on a deeper level so um I just recognize like how many patterns are in myself that want to be seen and want to be healed. And I don't feel like that they need to go away, but it's like, okay, they're here. I recognize them. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I guess that's the first step for young people to talk about it, what they feel and what they recognize. Yeah, that's the first step. And actually how you're now talking are the most people, because I know you a bit long already, but um I think uh, this is what I mean. What I mentioned with clients when they come at level four, at lesson four, at session four, then this ego is going to say, "Oh my God, I feel now so many things. Wasn't I happier when I was ignorant? Yeah. Because I feel more and I see more happening, and I become a bit restless. And do I want to go deeper? Then the inner inner criticus." Your ego, the negative side of the ego is saying, no, don't go deeper, don't go deeper because it's unknown. And uh, maybe you become more unhappy when you go yeah. deeper. Yeah. Is it safe? Is it safe to go deeper? Yeah. Then you have to decide from the heart, yes, I want to go deeper because I have the desire to free myself yes. of uh, all the mud and shit which I developed for centuries. And then I have another remark which can convince people to follow this road. Although I feel, I believe totally in free will, because I have a daughter of four years old, um, I'm very happy that to a deep level, I, I freed myself of a lot of shit. Because if you want to have children or you have children, everything is uh, transported to your children. So if you, if you delete on mentally or emotionally or physically a lot of negativity or suffering or pain, then also it will not be transformed into uh, your children. So I think parents have a double responsibility to free themselves of their shit. Because otherwise their children and their children and their children will have those negative thoughts, negative emotions, because they're just clones of a family line and previous lives. This is how I see it and how I see my child is growing up more free than myself because yeah. I myself. Yeah. yeah it's like if you grow yourself or like develop yourself um, then you automatically develop like the life of your children yeah yeah, yeah. Hey Hans I would like to ask you like um, 
if we if we come to an end with this interview, I would like to ask your soul if your soul would be like uh, a listener in our like a meeting and like our interview today and like like would give a resume of what just happened in these 20 30 minutes what would your soul tell us or like the viewers just choose to live out of the softness and kindness of your heart continuously and be vulnerable and make decisions evaluate your life and just cut, cut out of all negativity. Negative people who put you down, negative unhealthy food, negative situations, because everything you bring your attention to will grow, Dalai Lama says. So if there are a lot of negative people, negative food, negative situations, negative upbringing, if you just give attention to that, then that will grow. But you have the choice in the moment to also let grow all the seeds of positivity. Because in our core, we're, uni we're, we're unity, we're limitless, and can, and, and the core of everybody, if you meditate long, is totally positive. And this unity creates negative and positive, so everything is a creation of the source. Still, we're brought up in duality. So choose for the positive things, let that grow, and let negativity um, become uh, less. So thank you very much. I hope it was inspiring. And um, visit my uh, website, www.hansklostermann.com, and uh, visit my retreats, or every month I give yoga meditation retreats with a different theme, or look at, um, yeah, Well, I will, uh, I will like um, make a link and I will do a description of you and the things you're doing and like in the link uh, below in the description of this video. So if you as a viewer has got any question, want to make contact with Hans, uh, feel free to reach out to reach me. I can also give the contact or like if you have a question first in German, then I can bring it to Hans um, to the Netherlands. Um, Uh, are your retreats uh, in more languages? Do you give them in Netherlands or in English? What's what do you do? In Dutch, when they're Dutch people and when there are people from France or Germany, I just teach in English. All right. So it's open for for all the people who want to become a world all... citizen. So be free and be happy. Right. Bye. Hey, thank you, Hans. Bye bye. Doeg.